Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's great to be with you again. Uh, I saw something beautiful this last week that made me thankful for this church once again. Uh, There's a a woman in our congregation, uh, and her husband passed, and she had uh, electric wheelchairs and electric scooter, and she called the church and said, I have these things. I'd like to pass them on to someone else. Is there anybody out there who could use them? And uh, we found somebody in the congregation uh, who... uh, is a retired pastor who said yes to receiving one of the wheelchairs, and the other two went to uh, needed uh, homes. Uh, and people's lives were blessed with this amazing equipment, this amazing technology, which she gave away for free uh, just to pass on a blessing to someone else's life. And in the process of connecting her with other people to whom she could give those, two other people stepped forward and said, I have a couple of motorized scooters, I have a hospital bed, I have uh, walkers to give away. And so, uh, so we're, we're helping facilitate those changes, uh, those exchanges. It, uh, if you know somebody in need, let us know. Or if you have things to give that you want to find a home for, let us know. Because the church should be a place of sacrificial, gracious giving where people are blessed by their community. Where even people who are brand new to us feel like this is a place of love and generosity. That's what Jesus came to create. Uh, You see it in the book of Acts chapter 2 where the disciples sold what they have and gave to whoever had need and and everyone uh, was taken care of. That's the kind of community that Jesus wanted to create. And I see that community here at Real Life Church. uh, And I'm so thankful for Real Life because of your graciousness and your generosity. Uh, we're in a, a series of teachings now on the weekends called Influence, when we're look, where we're looking at the kind of influence that Jesus has called us to and that Jesus gives us. And this is important because you and I now live in a world, a culture around us, where influence is measured in number of followers. You are influential if you get a lot of likes. You are influential if people want you to sponsor their products because you have so many followers. And that is not at all the kind of influence that God cares about. God has called you to a kind of influence where you listen to him and go where he sends you. And if you have the influence that he has sent, for, uh, sent you to, it matters for all eternity. The, the measure is not the quantity of people who follow you. The measure is your obedience to God's call on your life. Mother Teresa once said, it's not how many you love, it's how deeply you love. And God calls us specifically to love people in our immediate circles of influence. And they don't have to be big. We just have to be obedient. So I want to look today at another text. We've been looking at a text where Jesus sends his disciples out in the world. And I want to look at what happens immediately after that today uh, as we continue in our study of God's word. Take a minute and pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that our influence in this life, our significance in this life is entirely in your hands. It doesn't depend on our education. It doesn't depend on our trophy case. It doesn't depend on our bank account. It's all in your hands. And so take our broken lives. Take the messes that we've made. Take our empty successes and call us to places of purpose where we live to love you And we live to love other people, especially lost sheep. 
especially those who are in need. Use our lives for your kingdom. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, uh, we're going to open in our text to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. There's a passage here. I'm going to read this version of it because we've looked at some different versions in the last couple weeks weeks where Jesus sends out disciples. And uh, and then we're going to look at what happened immediately after that. Luke chapter 9 at verse 1, listen to God's word. When Jesus had called the 12 together, his 12 disciples, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. All right, we've looked at that text over the last couple weeks. Watch what happens next. Continuing on in that passage. Now, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all that was going on. Herod, this is Herod, the son of Herod the Great. King Herod the Great was king over Judea when Jesus was born. Uh, He dies when Jesus is a little boy. And then he passes his kingdom on to his three sons and his sister. His sister will pass away before too long, and it will become a kingdom of three sons. And this is one of them. This is Herod Antipas, uh, the Tetrarch, one one of the four. Now, Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Remember, this is the king who beheaded John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist was preaching against the king, so the king had him beheaded. And now he's concerned maybe John's come back from the dead. Others, that Elijah had appeared. Elijah is a great prophet in the Hebrew Scriptures, and there were prophecies that he would come back before the Messiah came. So some are saying maybe, maybe Jesus is Elijah. And still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John, and he, he beheaded John specifically because he didn't like how many followers John had. Herod wanted more followers, and John had too many. Who then is this I hear things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, that's Jesus' favorite topic, and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place. A remote place here, he replied. You give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go out and buy food for all all this crowd, uh, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and uh, everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute the food. They all ate and were satisfied. 
and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. He replied, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for this crowd. Uh, Elsewhere in the Gospels, we see that the five loaves and the two fish actually belong to a little boy who is with them. And they said, Jesus, God of all creation, who made everything and holds everything in your hands, I have only this. This is all I have. Have you ever said to God, I have only? Have you ever looked at God, the one who holds all of creation in his hands and said, this is all I have. I have only this. I don't have enough. I don't have the resources. I don't have the followers. I don't have the influence. I have only. If you're over on the Glendora campus this morning, say out loud, I have only. I want to show you what God does when we say to him, I have only. God gives us exactly what we need and calls us exactly where he wants us to go. Our fear that we don't have enough, that I have only this little bit, is just a lack of faith. Everything that we have is a tool in God's hands. And it doesn't matter what it looks like from the perspective of the world. It matters what God's will for it is. Imagine I say, God, I need an orchard. I need tons of fruit to feed myself and to feed my family and to supply for myself. And God says, all right, well, here are five seeds. And I say, no, 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 no. I need a whole orchard. I don't need a few seeds. I need an orchard of things. God gives me exactly what I need so that he can take me through the process he wants me to go through so that he can bless me in the end. But that's not how we go about giving. That's not how we go about uh, attending to God's call. We look at the five seeds that God gave us and we think, well, that's all I have. And I'm really hungry and I don't see an orchard anywhere. This this looks like an orchard far away. I can't wait that long. And so, you know, I, I better, you know, I'm, I'm hungry now. I better just, I just better eat these seeds because I'm going to starve if I don't. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was not satisfying at all. That, yeah, that was not, that really didn't do it. And now, now I only have four. Now I have less. Now I have only four seeds because he didn't give me enough to begin with. I don't, I don't have enough to, I better eat another one of these. I better eat a couple of these seeds because I'm going to, I'm just going to starve. I'm better, you know, mm, mm, mm. Oh yeah, that'll, that'll hold me over for about 10 seconds. I, now I only have two. I don't have enough. I'm not going to survive. God, I told you what I needed and you didn't, you didn't take care of me. You start talking about this thing off in the distance. I, how am I supposed to get there? By trusting you? Are you kidding me? This is all I have. I better eat another one of these. So somebody else will take it if I don't. Mm, mm. Mm. And then we get to the point where we have only a little left. Now, (laughs) am I going to be able to grow more trees or less than where I started? How many trees am I likely to get out of the one seed that I have left? I have worked myself down to a painful kind of less because I was afraid to trust God and use what he gave me for his purposes. Instead, I looked at what he gave me as something I had done to provide for myself. And I said, I have only this. I'd better consume it or it will run out. And that is how most of us go at life 
all the time. Every resource that I have is something God has put in my hands for me to go through a process into a future where he blesses me. And in my lack of faith, I panic and I hoard and I consume for fear that if I wait or if I give, I won't have enough. Everybody say, I have only. See, there's a, there's a spiritual algorithm to sacrifice. God sends us out into the world with exactly what he needs us to have, and he tells us, use this for my purposes, not your own. And if you do that, you will not end up empty-handed. There, there's a passage in the scriptures where a woman goes to Jesus and takes an expensive jar of perfume and breaks it and anoints his feet with it. An expensive jar of perfume, worth a lot. She could have done a lot with that. Not just used the perfume for herself, but sold it and kept the money to provide for herself. And instead, she makes a sacrificial, generous offering to Jesus. The only person who complains in that scene is Judas, the one who will betray Jesus. Because he says, he's pragmatic. That money could have been, that perfume could have been sold, the money could have been given to the poor. Judas is stealing from the disciples' coin purse. He doesn't care about the poor. His mindset is the practical one. I have only so much, and I, I better use it most strategically and most, most selfishly. But do you see that when that woman walked away from Jesus, she left smelling like him. The honor that we pour out on Jesus in our sacrificial giving comes back to us. And if we want to live lives of influence, we do so not by hoarding, but by taking what he has given, given us and using it to bless others. A little boy with five loaves and two fish can say, I have only, but I have only in the hands of Jesus is exactly enough. And more than enough, there were leftovers. An expensive jar of perfume can be an I have only, but when used in the worship of Jesus, it in turn blesses the one who worships him. When we tithe, when we give 10% of our income to building the kingdom of heaven on earth, we may look at that and say, I have only. But in giving 10% to him, we invite his blessings back on us, and he multiplies what 100% looks like. There's a spiritual algorithm to sacrifice. And this runs through the story of the Scriptures. In sacrifice comes multiplication and blessing. And I think this is written into the nature of the universe. When gravity works, it's not because God wills in a specific situation that thing needs to fall down. Gravity is just a force that's there all the time. I think there are spiritual forces in existence in the universe that just work all the time. And one of them is that sacrifice brings blessings and multiplication. A little boy who gives away his 
five loaves and two fish, feeds 5,000, including himself, with 12 basketfuls left over. A woman who sacrifices in worship, blesses Jesus, is anointed herself, and her story lasts for all eternity. When we tithe, when we give, God takes the I have only that we offer him, and he multiplies it for the world and for us. In the story of the Scriptures, sacrifice runs from beginning to end. The, the motif of sacrifice runs throughout the Scriptures. The ancient Hebrews would take animals to the temple and sacrifice them to pay for their sins. And in that transaction, they received forgiveness. That's not just a metaphor. There's a spiritual transaction that happened. They offered the sacrifice of a, a life of a, a lamb or a bull, and they received forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross, and when we believe in him, his sacrifice bestows forgiveness on us. It's not just a metaphor. It's a spiritual transaction that happens really and truly in the universe. When we believe in him, we receive forgiveness. And when we give sacrificially, we receive in return a multiplication of blessings, both for us and for those to whom we give. We don't do it for ourselves. We don't do it to be selfish. We do it to honor Jesus and to love others. But when we do that, when we live a life of the great commandments, his honor washes back onto us, and we leave smelling like him. The call to sacrifice is one that forces us to take seriously our faith, to take seriously the teachings of Jesus. God does not have plans to rob us. He has plans to multiply us. And it doesn't matter how many followers you have. In fact, it's probably better if you don't have many. Because when you're done, he will receive the credit. When we are weak, he is strong. And when we are blessed despite our weakness, the world says it must be God because that guy didn't deserve that. It might be of benefit if we are of small stature in this world. Because when we are, God receives all the credit. Uh, and I have a special place in my heart for people of short stature anyway. Uh, God calls us to give sacrificially, not just our money and our resources, but our time. God calls us to give our, our time sacrificially. And we may fear, hey, I have only I don't have all the time in the world. I have only, and I better use it for me. Uh, there's a, a woman uh, I read about recently who, uh, who made a fortune and quit work and bought a boat and spends her time just sailing around. And I saw this interview with her, and they asked her, so, so what's life all about for you? And she replied, well, I have a boat, and I just sail around. I thought, what an utterly meaningless life. 
We can go at life thinking, I have only so much time. What if, what if it slips away? If we sacrifice our time for him, he multiplies the blessings for the world around us and for us ourselves. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.